You're listening to WJMSRadio.com, where radio is reimagined. The Fired Up Show starts right now. And welcome, welcome, welcome to the final Fired Up Radio Show for 2020. Happy New Year uh, in advance, everyone. Hope everybody had a really safe and joyous Christmas holiday. Uh, Habari Ghani, to those of you celebrating Kwanzaa. This is the third, uh, third day of Kwanzaa when this is being recorded. And the Kwanzaa principle of the third day is Ujima, which is collective work and responsibility. Something that uh, we've seen in play, or at least we had hoped to see in play over the past few weeks. Uh, let's recap our COVID numbers as we always do at the start of the show. Uh, as of uh, this show, 19.1 million cases of coronavirus COVID-19 have been recorded in the United States of America with 333,000 uh, reported deaths. Uh, and also uh, 1.9 million doses of the newly approved COVID vaccines, uh, the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines, uh, have already been administered in the first uh, two weeks of their issuance. So we are you know, on the way. We have, we have crossed the starting point toward uh, getting to a place where we have you know, a, a huge portion of the population uh, vaccinated. We've got a long way to go. It's going to take some time. And, you know, of course, just because there's a vaccine out there and it is being distributed doesn't mean that the other protocols that we have that we've been encouraged by the medical and scientific community that we need to follow uh, specifically you know keeping our distance in in gathering se- uh, settings uh, limiting the size of gatherings particularly around the holiday season uh, we have started to see the post thanksgiving uh, covid spike and we saw a death increase uh, according to that and, and case infections increase drastically uh, over the weeks since Thanksgiving. And there's another one according to you know, medical professionals, Dr. Fauci and others, that we should expect to see in the coming uh, week, uh, two weeks, from the Christmas holiday where even against the advice of the scientific and medical community, a huge number of Americans uh, decided to travel, uh, decided to gather uh, in in large uh, gatherings, you know, whether it's at home or you know in some venue, and you know that can only lead to an increased number of infections of the virus uh, coming down the pike toward us. Um, you know, in addition, we've been instructed that we need to. Uh, wear our masks when we're, it's not possible for us to socially distance. And of course, to practice you know, good hygiene, washing our hands frequently, uh, avoiding touching our, our mouth, nose, and eyes uh, when we've been out in public until we can wash our hands or otherwise disinfect our hands. So even though the vaccine is here and the process of immunizing people has begun, starting with, you know, of course, uh, our frontline medical people and first responders and other key 
uh, recipients of the vaccine, uh, including uh, the Vice President uh, Mike Pence and his wife. Um, you know, President-elect Biden and Dr. Jill Biden will receive their vaccine uh, probably, if not today or within tomorrow or the next couple of days, as will Vice President-elect Kamala Harris and, and her husband uh, will also get the vaccine. Um, but, you know, we also will see uh, distribution uh, on the priority list to uh, senior citizens, those that are living in uh, senior residences or assisted living facilities or, or other care facilities, uh, they will be at, at high priority to get the vaccine, as well as people with uh, priority conditions that put them at extreme risk for COVID-19. So, you know, the, the vulnerable groups among us will see vaccines first, and then, you know, they will begin to phase out among the general population. Uh, for best advice on when you could get your vaccine, uh, it's advisable and, and we're being told to communicate and stay in touch with your doctors or medical professionals. Uh, keep track of your state websites as well as your local websites to see when uh, COVID vaccines will be arriving in your area. So, you know, we're, we're on the road, we're on the way. Um, you know, all the projections are that the uh, majority of American people will have received the vaccine uh, probably by sometime into the early summer. So that, that's good news. There, there is hope. And again, as a reminder, as I mentioned last week, there are at least two additional vaccines which will be coming on the market in the coming weeks. Um, uh, so there'll be, you know, even more availability of vaccines for the general population as we move, you know, into 2021 and move, you know, through the first quarter into spring and summer of 2021. So please, you know, take it to heart to keep yourselves, your family, your communities safe. Uh, practice the guidelines that we have been talking about now for nearly a year. And, you know, let's do what we can. Let's do our part to uh, arrest the spread of this vaccine in the population. Um, it, is, it is crucial that we don't let up at this time. Just because there's a vaccine out there in our future doesn't mean that it is here for everybody right now. And we still need to do the things that we're being asked to do. So here we are. Um, this is the 56th show of Fired Up. Um, this is the, the first full year of broadcast in, in 2020. Uh, this has, has been an, an interesting journey and continues to be an interesting journey. Uh, it, it is you know, a, an honor and privilege for me to come to you each week and bring you news about the political machine here in this country and what's going on, you know, the, the games that are being played and you know, who's playing them and who is getting played by them. So just wanted to, you know, take this show and kind of talk about a few things that have transpired this year that have shaped our news. Uh, but before we get into that, 
late breaking news from uh, Sunday evening, um, sometime around eight o'clock, President Donald Trump signed the uh, COVID um, relief bill, the second bill that had been passed by both houses of government uh, in conjunction with a bill to uh, avert and a government shutdown, which was anticipated for Tuesday if you know no bill had been signed. But this bill, uh, along with the COVID bill, will provide some very needed um, benefits to the community. I'll take a, a minute and, and kind of go through them. On the uh, COVID relief package, um, the, the first thing that this bill will authorize, or this law now will authorize, is that uh, stimulus checks uh, in the amount of $600 will be sent to uh, the adults and dependent children uh, along the same lines as the CARES Act stimulus that went out in March. So if you received a a CARES Act, a $1,200 payment uh, early in the year, you should see the $600 payment show up in your bank account uh, sometime within the next week to 10 days. The bill also provides and brings uh, $300 per week and enhanced unemployment insurance, and that will carry forward for 11 weeks. Uh, there's a provision in for uh, aid for small businesses, uh, including $284 billion through the Paycheck Protection Program, uh, $20 billion in EIDL grants, and $15 billion for live venues such as independent movie theaters and cultural institutions. Uh, there's $25 billion that's being made available in rental assistance, and the eviction moratorium will be extended uh, until January 31st. Uh, $13 billion in increased SNAP child nutrition benefits, uh, $82 billion in aid to education, uh, with $10 billion of that dedicated to uh, child care, uh, again, to, to assist and help people uh, get back to work so that their, their kids are taken care of. Um, there's money in there to increase access to broadband for those areas of the country that are, are suffering from slow internet connections. There's also money in there, uh, billions of dollars that are be going to the states for vaccine distribution and COVID-19 testing. And um, you know some some other some other features in there. Uh, the bill was passed by the House and Senate on Tuesday, and was delivered to President Trump. And over the intervening days between Tuesday and Sunday, uh, Donald Trump determined that he, you know, first indicated he was not going to sign the bill, um, and that. He wanted to see the stimulus payments increase to $2,000. That deal was a non-starter in the Republican Senate. Uh, There was a lot of back and forth between uh, the the Oval Office and the Senate and the House on trying to find a resolution. It looks like one has been brought forward. My understanding, and I have to read uh, in more detail uh, what's going on, the communications that have been going back and forth 
between the executive and legislative branch. But it appears that um, today the House is going to be taking a vote on actually providing the $2,000 uh, stimulus payment, in effect adding $1,400 to what has already been put out there. Uh, whether or not that passes the Senate uh, is still very much up in the air. Uh, all of the news sources that I've been following since late Sunday and into today indicate that uh, there is a lot of discussion going on about that. Um, so it remains to be seen what happens. Um, you know, this, this whole thing, and, and, you know, happy that the money is going out, happy that the aid is going out to where it's needed. Uh, it is long, long, long overdue. And, you know, no amount of, of you know, frustration is enough for what uh, many of the American people have felt for our government and for leadership in how this process has has carried out. You know, on this show, we talk about uh, looking at the games that are played. Well, the coronavirus and our response, our government's response to it, has pulled the covers off some very, very, very deep political games that have been going on for years. They've just been kind of below the surface, under the radar, if you will. Uh, but COVID has brought all of that screaming to the surface. So what we've seen is, and we've talked about this numerous times on this show over the course of the year, what we've seen is this, this brinksmanship, this game of chicken being played between Democrats and Republicans, between the House and the Senate, between the White House and both branches of the legislative branch uh, on you know, what this COVID response needs to be, how it gets enacted, what resources get allocated, uh, you know, we have suffered through conversations talking about excluding Democrat-controlled states uh, from receiving COVID aid because they're Democrat-controlled. Uh, we have seen this, this pandemic politicized and weaponized uh, throughout uh, the, the nearly 11 months now that we have been subjected to it. And, you know, it's a crying shame that our elected officials who we vote to send to office have ignored the the really fundamental needs of the people of this country uh, for assistance for support for help uh, through that through this this pandemic there are people out there who have been unemployed since uh, March or April there are people who uh, were in, in extreme concern because the extended unemployment benefit deadline was set for the day after Christmas. Now, thankfully, you know, that has been reinstated, but there will be a lag while the, the funds are distributed and the states get their mechanisms in place and going to get the money out to the people that, uh, that need it. Um, how many, you know, Small businesses, we've seen numbers of 100,000 small businesses that have closed their doors for good because they just could not survive. The, you know, the economy was so bad and because of the, the need for people to stay home and not socially gather 
and the changes that that meant for industries like the restaurant industry, the movie theater industry, cruise ships, uh, you know, sporting events, uh, other events, weddings, you know, funerals even in a period where we've had 333,000 people die. Um, you know, we've had, you know, 333,000 families who weren't able to uh, properly and fully grieve for their lost loved ones uh, because of COVID-19, because they couldn't go to the hospital to say goodbye. You know, if they were lucky, they had the opportunity to say goodbye via a, a Skype or a FaceTime or a Zoom chat. But, you know, that's no substitute for being there when your loved one transitions for that, that sense, of, sense of closure, you know, that, that need to, you know, to make sure that your loved ones know that they were surrounded by family. Now, you know, we give much praise, you know, much love to the medical personnel who have provided such deep and caring service for our family members, you know, who have been uh, afflicted by this disease and who unfortunately uh, have succumbed to it. But, you know, th this, this has taken a toll on the fabric of our country. Um, what we are hearing and what we, are, we have been seeing over the last few months is not only the toll it's taken on the families, but the tremendous toll that it has taken on our medical uh, community, on the medical professionals who have been fighting day and night, seven days a week, 24 hours a day, uh, doing everything they can to comfort and care and keep our loved ones alive. Um, you know, we, we owe them a debt we will never be able to repay. Uh, they have worked yeoman hours, um, you know, double shifts. I have people that I know, uh, members of extended family who are in the medical profession. And these are people who will work a 12 hour shift, go home, get a couple of hours sleep, maybe, and then come back and work another 12 hour shift because the hospital is short staffed. We have seen hospitals uh, meet or exceed their, their ICU capacity. California has hospitals right now in, in some of the major uh, areas of the state that have no available ICU beds. Now, that's bad enough for you know, treatment of COVID, but you have to remember, there are people that have heart attacks. There are people that have other you know, traumatic and, and major illnesses where they need to be in intensive care. And there are no beds available because all of the beds are occupied due to COVID-19. And, you know, as, as we've said and as many others have said uh, in, in the political community, in the, in the media community, um, this is entirely something that did not have to be this bad. Granted, much like, you know, any other pandemic, much like the flu, people will die from these types of viral illnesses that's a given. However, when there is appropriate and effective care, the numbers of people who get the disease and who unfortunately may perish from the disease can be drastically reduced. And, you know, because our leaders and our government uh, did not efficiently, effectively, and quickly move to get this, this disease 
um, you know, not necessarily under control, but at least get the battle against this disease ramped up to full force uh, in, in a short enough time frame. You know, the first deaths in this country were reported in January of 2020. Um, it was not until late March that the president declared it a national emergency. The Defense Procurement Authorization Act was not put in place until a couple of months after that in order to get materials out, to get PPP out where it was needed, uh, to get ventilators distributed where they were needed around the country. As a result, people who might not have perished, perished because our response was not sufficient to the task at the time. And this is something, you know, this, this isn't a political thing. This is a human response. You know, the, as we've said on this show and as others have said, you know, out there in, in the media world and so forth, this is not a Republican problem. This is not a Democrat problem. This is an American problem. Yes, the Republicans are in control of the government right now, so they have the lion's share of ownership for the level and effectiveness of the response. But Democrats uh, own a piece of this as well. Uh, there are probably still more things that the Democrats could have done in order to push the issue uh, more forcefully. But, you know, playing these, these political games, playing this, you know, softball, genteel uh, appeasement politics uh, has led to people dying. And there's no other way, no other way but to put it bluntly. So, you know, and, and I've, I've said it on this show, I, I don't know how many times. You know, it, while Republicans control the game, the Democrats are also participants in the game and they have let all of us down. Um, so it, it's just, you know, COVID, coronavirus really just took over everything in this country and in the world for that matter uh, for most of this year if not all of this year and you know what what shines even more in glaring contrast is that while cases in the u.s were rising and rising and rising daily weekly monthly cases in other western countries were declining um, several countries had gotten down to signal single digit numbers of cases being reported in a day where the U.S. was reporting, you know, multiple thousands of cases in a day and hundreds, if not thousands, of deaths in a day. So, you know, we are going to look back on 2020 from the standpoint of coronavirus as um, really a year where our leadership let us down. And there's no sugarcoating that. Um, our leadership, the people in charge of protecting the American people, did not do an adequate job of it. I won't say that they failed, but I will say that they did not meet the challenge. So, you know, as we move into 2021, as we get a new administration coming on board, there is a, a lot of talk about, you know, the plan to attack and get the coronavirus, you know, under a, a manageable structure so that, you know, we can return our country 
to something like what it used to be. It's probably never going to be normal again if you think of normal as how it was in 2019 or 2018 in, in terms of your daily life. That's probably never going to be the case uh, again. COVID is going to become part of our annual medical routine, just like the flu is now. Mask wearing, uh, where you know specific cases or times may warrant, if there are flare-ups, we may have to go back to some form of mandatory mask wearing in an area. You know, it, it that's going to be part of life, and we need to accept it. We need to adopt it. And we need to recognize that it is about protecting you know, ourselves, our family, our community, and our country. So, you know, as I said, 2020 will, will long be the, re the year remembered as the year of COVID. Uh, when we come back after the break, we're going to recap some of the other things that 2020 is going to be uh, remembered for. Not all of them bad, but... You know, just for all of the challenges um, and, and trials and tribulations that we faced this year, um, we are going to be looking back at 2020, the year that was. This is Fired Up. This is Steve. We're right here on WJMSRadio.com. Uh, please stay tuned. We'll be right back after this break. Good job. 
And we're back. Welcome back to Fired Up right here on WJMSRadio.com. This is Steve, your host each week. And here we are at the last broadcast day of 2020. And uh, as I said in the first segment, I want to look back at some of the events that uh, made this year, um, to probably put it nicely, challenging. <laughs> um but do want to look at some of the events that we saw happen this year that uh, shaped the news and shaped our discussion and, you know, our political opinions and the arguments and all the things that we saw over the course of the year. And as I said in the first segment, obviously, the 800 pound gorilla in the country was the coronavirus COVID-19. Uh, it appeared on our shores in January and escalated through the year to where we are now with more than 19 million people infected and more than 333,000 people who have died. Um, but one of the things that the coronavirus did give us is it did uh, unlock the potential for good that exists uh, in the American people in general. Uh, what we saw was a tremendous amount of outreach to those who were impacted by the disease, whether it was volunteers uh, giving out food in long lines, whether it was restaurants, uh, bars, and venues that adapted how they did business in order to continue to provide needed services to the, the people in their community. We saw you know, school systems step up and provide lunches for kids who weren't in school because of the restrictions under the pandemic, but yet they were still able to give those, those kids perhaps the, the one good solid balanced meal uh, they got in a day. Um, we saw you know, celebrities uh, come out and offer to help and assist people. Uh, most recently, I just saw news that uh, Beyonce is uh, putting together a, a fund through one of her charitable organizations where she's going to give $5,000 to uh, people who may you know, get evicted when the moratorium on evictions ends. So, I mean, there is a, a lot of, of negative things that we saw come out of COVID, um, but there is also you know, a, a large number of good that it did. Uh, we saw Again, just a tremendous outpouring of love and caring uh, at, in the communities and, and at the local levels uh, for you know, people looking out for their neighbors. And that's what, that's what America is. That's what America is about. Uh, we are not just a, a politically divided, um, you know, combative nation uh, when our people are in trouble, when our people are hurting. Americans step up, step out, and show out, and help. And we saw a lot of that across the spectrum. And hopefully we can carry that good spirit and that good energy forward into 2021 as we continue to deal with the pandemic. Uh, granted, we have vaccines on the way, but we are still, you know, uh, many months that we are going to be dealing, you know, with this, this pandemic. In, uh, in other news, of course, the other, uh, another big story that occurred over the course of 2020 was the presidential election. And, you know, we saw the Democratic uh, 
uh, candidates whittled down and Joe Biden and Kamala Harris emerged as the nominees of the Democratic Party uh, for the offices of president and vice president. And ultimately, in the election we just completed in November, um, you know, Biden-Harris uh, won the day. And on January 20th uh, of next year, uh, 2021, uh, President-elect Biden and, pres- and Vice President-elect Harris will become President Biden and Vice President Harris. And, you know, they have, you know, hit the ground running. They've already outlined uh, their plans for what uh, their vision of uh, America is going to be for the next four years. Uh, and, of course, starting off, they're already committing among their, their first 100-day uh, agenda items is to address the COVID uh, pandemic, uh, to address issues regarding, you know, uh, economic assistance to the people, to businesses, to schools, uh, to, you know, to aid in uh, trying to do what they can to get our country back to a more normal state. Um, we also saw a, an outreach uh, in, in terms of the medical community. As I said earlier, uh, they have been working you know, tirelessly for nearly a year with no signs of letting up. And, you know, we need to make sure that we continue to show them the love, the respect and the the thanks that they are owed. Same thing with our first responders, our police, our firefighters, our EMTs uh, and those workers who kept our grocery shelves stocked or who kept the pharmacy open and and running, you know, or, you know, delivered the mail and delivered our packages. All of these people in the midst of a pandemic where a normal human response would be to, you know, go back home, you know, pull the the shades, lock the doors and, and hunker down with the rest of us. They showed up to work every day. They went out to make sure that we had, you know, food, uh, available on the shelves that we had, you know, necessities uh, available. That we had, you know, our mail was delivered, our packages were delivered in time for the holidays, you know, and you know, just stepped up and did yeoman work. And of course, we'd have to include in that group the people who took care and continue to take care of our senior citizens and those people living in our long-term care and uh, assisted living and nursing homes. Uh, I know that I owe a special debt to the people in uh, New Jersey at Brighton Gardens where my father is a resident. Uh, they have you know, kept him healthy and safe and you know, fed and taken care of uh, for six months. I have not been able to get to you know, be physically with him for six months and you know they have been there to make sure that his needs are taken care of every day and I appreciate that as we should appreciate all of the workers that keep our loved ones safe um, let's not forget the teachers you know teachers I- immediately pivoted from in-person learning uh, to adopting and executing an online curriculum to continue as best they could the education of our children, of our young people. 
um, as you know, school districts were able, even for brief periods, to open back up. Teachers maintained a flexibility and a dedication to make sure that the education process could continue in the best form that it could given the circumstances. So, you know, we need to make sure that as, as we close out 2020, that all of these workers that just worked somewhat behind the scenes, we see them every day, but, you know, they deserve just our, our utmost thanks and gratitude for keeping at it, keeping work going, you know, you know, truck drivers that you know, delivered our goods all around the country, the people who fly the cargo planes, the people, the airlines that did fly and that were transporting pay, uh, people around. All of these people were putting their lives at risk, being on the front lines uh, in order so that we could uh, try and have something like a, a normal lifestyle. And they are well deserving of all of the praise that we can give them. So, you know, it, it's we've, we've learned a lot from COVID-19. We've learned a lot from 2020. We've learned that, you know, the the idea for keeping and maintaining political power in this country is also alive and well. Uh, we saw just a, a full range of tactics that were applied to uh, restrict or limit or eliminate entire blocks of voters all around the country. Uh, we saw the lieutenant governor in Texas, for example, restrict the number of mail-in ballot uh, drop-off boxes to one per county in the state of Texas. We saw the, uh, the, the, the governor and um, secretary of state in Florida go against their party and work to make sure that fair voting uh, was, was a, as possible as could be given the circumstances. We saw continued voter suppression efforts in states like Georgia and North Carolina and all around the country where uh, people were working to try and limit uh, the number of you know, democratic and independent voters that could get to the polls. Um, you know, so there was a lot that, as I said earlier, coronavirus uncovered some of the really raw spots uh, in our country. And what we need to do as citizens and what we need to do as the electorate is to make sure that, you know, now that we have seen these these problem areas, now that we have experienced this difficulty or these difficulties, we need to make sure that we are doing our part to get our elected officials to do what they need to do to fix those problems. You know, where there is, uh, you know, uh, violence and protesting against uh, uh, voting and, and all of that, we need to make sure that our voting laws are, are fully and properly enforced. Uh, we saw, you know, a number of cases um, or situations where violence in the streets as the result of, you know, injustice and unjustified uh, shootings and killings of uh, people on, at the hands of law enforcement. This sparked a huge discussion regarding around restructuring the funding of the police forces in our country to uh, basically give the task that are non-police jobs 
to those agencies and individuals who are best suited to handle them. You know, if if there is a, a domestic situation that is nonviolent, a police officer may not be the best person to send for that. There should be, you know, counselors and and people who can help defuse the situation. And there there've been a lot of discussions about reallocating funds from police budgets uh, to social service budgets, to uh, you know, to mental health programs, to other things, to take the burden of having to solve you know, domestic and nonviolent and issues of mental health off the hands of our already hardworking police departments. And, you know, that process has started in some areas. Several communities and cities have already reallocated millions of funds uh, out of police budgets. You know, whether it's, it's taking some of the heavy-duty military-style equipment and, you know, reallocating the money for those resources to more humane purposes. You know, there's a whole range of things that we learned from this pandemic and, and what it has done to our country. We learned that you know, there, there is an economic injustice in this country where the top you know, one-tenth of one percent, uh, the super billionaires in this country, in the midst of an economic downturn, in the midst of spiking unemployment and uh, you know, loss of wages uh, across so many sectors of our country, uh, these individuals made billions of dollars. Um, that's, that's not fair. That's not the way America should be. Uh, we should be doing whatever we can to make sure that all of our people have whatever resources and tools are available so that they all can thrive. You know, we, we just witnessed or we just saw that the president signed the COVID relief bill, which gives, you know, $600 as a one-time stimulus payment. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure I, I speak for a lot of people who are in the situation that I am appreciative of getting $600. Now, keeping it real, $600 is not going to go very far, uh, but it's a start. It, it, and that is the key. We have to start these, these fixes. We have to start these corrections. We have to start healing these wounds, but then we have to make sure we keep it going that we need to communicate and make sure that our leaders understand that we don't want just these one-time solutions, that there needs to be a comprehensive program, uh, a comprehensive collection of aid and benefits to the American people at large so that everyone can thrive as best as possible. And I can tell you, trust and believe that the Fired Up Radio Show we are going to be all over the Democratic administration to make sure that they live up to what they have promised uh, as, as what they are going to do. Uh, this, is, this is not a one-sided attack. Um, I am you know, nonpartisan when it comes to being in favor of doing whatever our leaders need to do in order to help the people of this country. So, you know, I, I give, you know, fair warning to, you know, President-elect Biden and Vice President-elect Harris to the Democrats in the House and the Democrats in the Senate, the same way I give fair warning to the Republicans. You know, expect 
that the American people now have their eyes more open, their ears more attuned, and that we are going to be paying attention and that we are not going to hesitate to hold you accountable as we did with your president uh, in the November election. You know, uh, the Republicans actually made progress in, in this election. However, if they don't continue to follow through with the, that progress and follow up with the, the promises that they have put so many eloquent words to, and, you know, side note, it's amazing how the same people can talk about how they are looking out for the common person, looking out for the rank-and-file Americans, and yet pass tax credits that benefit the largest com- companies in this country and allow you know, the billionaires to add hundreds of billions of dollars to their wealth already. So you know, just, just believe Mr. and Ms. elected official that you know the the genie hopefully is out of the lamp and is going to stay out of the lamp and that we are going to be watching and it, it is important that we the people hold our elected officials both federally and locally to the promises they made in the election to the commitments that they agreed to uh, in order to gain our vote and and send them to office or return them to office. We need to make sure that that accountability is enforced and constant and consistent. So, you know, it, it is up to us. We proved through the number of people that voted in this past election, which was the largest voter turnout in American history. And, you know, even even though... Uh, you know, President Trump was unsuccessful in his bid for re-election. He got the second highest vote total of any incumbent president in the history of this country. And, you know, that that is something that we need to take account of. The fact that 73 million people uh, approved of the Republican strategy by way of you know, voting for them in the election, even though they they did not uh, support the incumbent president. So, you know, don't sit back on your laurels, Republicans. You know, you've got to earn this victory. You've got to account for what you do, and we are going to be watching, and we are going to hold you accountable to it. So our call to action uh, as we exit 2020 and as we go into 2021 you know, my call to action, as we do on this show quite frequently, is for you, the public, you, the voting public, you, the constituents, stay on top of your elected officials, whether it's your mayor, your school board, your city council, your county boards, your governors, your state senators, your state reps, your national congresspeople, your national senators, or the president of the United States, both outgoing and incoming. Let's make sure we stay on top of them and hold them accountable to the job they've sworn to do. So with a few minutes we have left, I want to, you know, again, just close out the year. Uh, As I said at the top, uh, we've done now with this show 56 shows uh, going back to mid-November of 2019. And, you know, we've talked about a lot of things over the course of 
the the fired up history here on WJMS. Uh, I want to give a huge shout out to WJMS Radio, uh, to uh, Ms. CEO, Ms. Jams, uh, the lady in the big chair at the top for all that she has done. I want to say congratulations on the successes that we've seen with WJMS this year, uh, not just for, for my show, but for all of the shows. And I encourage you to go to WJMSradio.com uh, click on the links for the shows. Check out the shows that are out there. Sign up for the newsletter. Like and subscribe to the webpage. Uh, get engaged with WJMS. We have a lot of content out there. Uh, something for just about everybody uh, across the spectrum. So, you know, there's always an opportunity to learn new things, to get, uh, to hear new opinions, to get new perspective. Uh, and, you know, we're all, I, I guess I can speak for the show host, we're all really pleased to bring you what we bring you uh, each week. And uh, we appreciate it. We're thankful that you listen. We're thankful that you, you show your support. Um, and again, you know, much, much love and much respect goes out to, to Jamie, uh, our station owner. Uh, we give her just high marks for her courage and bravery. Uh, as you know, she uses her platform to speak out about the conditions revolving around lung cancer in this country uh, or in actually in this world as she's had international discussions. And, you know, it's, it's a tribute to her that WJMS uh, is as successful as it is. Uh, we for this show, we've had a very good year this year. Uh, our listenership continues to grow, and I thank you and appreciate all of you that listen. Please spread the word. Please like and subscribe to the Facebook page. Uh, follow the show on Twitter. And, uh, you know, let me shout out the contact info. So our email is firedupradio at yahoo.com. And I'm always looking forward to your thoughts and comments. Uh, the Facebook page is Fired Up Radio, and that's on Facebook.com. Uh, you can search us that way. And our Twitter goes out under Are You Fired Up? That's A-R-E, the letter U, Fired Up, one word. So make sure that you check us out, subscribe, check back with us as we move into 2021. We're going to continue to be your source for the political system news that uh, you need to know to help you make your informed choices and do the things you need to do to execute your franchise in this country and make sure that your voice and the voices of your friends and neighbors and family and, and all are heard. With that being said, let me wish each and every one of you a very prosperous and safe and healthy new year. Please, uh, if you can, uh, avoid you know, large crowds. Practice the uh, conditions that the scientific and medical community are asking us to practice. You know, mask up, be socially distanced. Uh, if you can't, make sure that you're wearing a mask when you're out in public. Wash your hands, you know, don't touch your face and eyes. And everybody, just have a safe, and wonderful new year. We will see you back here in January. Um, 
And until then, this is Steve. You're listening to Fired Up Radio right here on WJMSRadio.com. I thank you for listening as always, and I will speak to you again in seven days. God bless everybody. Wherever you stand, I'm calling every woman, calling every man. We're the generation we can't afford to wait. The future started yesterday, and we're already late.